Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody. Well, welcome once again to West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo and lots of things that we love, Lanny. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. And, you know, thinking about what's coming, thinking about what's going on now. So lots of good stuff going on in the gamekeeping world. Yes, it is. Uh, September, is a, it just kind of gets it all started. Yeah. Fall is not quite here for us in Mississippi, but it's hitting everywhere else. So, so when uh, we came in a few minutes ago, it, it, has the rain arrived yet? Don't talk about that. It, it, it looks like it's going to miss us, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. No, no it's probably not. It's just going to be later. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not talking about it. So, <laughs> he's a farmer. Well, I, you know, he's I'm looking, farming. I'm looking down the table at Toxie, who looks like he's in a bad mood. I'm just <laughs> waiting on just, rain. It's just anxiety, Bobby. I mean, you caused it. I feel like the kid <laughs> who had to stay after class all of a sudden to come do a podcast, and it's like if this tropical weather hits. Before I get back out there and finish what I was in the middle of, mm. we might have a new uh. Gamekeeper podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means. You know, this isn't good. Means, yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, look at him. You, you knew the rain was coming. Well, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just warning you, I'm not going to be real pleasant today. So, well, thanks for the warning. We appreciate that. And it just, just uh, as a note, I'll be distracted from time to time looking at my phone radar. And if I leave, Everybody, forgive me, please. Well, I mean, staying a, true to this is a gamekeeper, well, you know, so just production. To, I think I'd be negligent to not finish my job. I agree. Yeah. Well, I we, mean, just truth in advertising is important here. Yeah. So, well, look. Let me just give you a little heads up. As long as you can see your radar, it's not raining. But if you start where you can't see your yeah, radar, that, that means we don't have internet in here. And you can, and, oh, that's and, a good point. You, can, uh, you better run. We're going to get somewhere. But if it rains, we don't have any internet in this room. Mm-mm. It's pretty amazing. So, look, uh, well, let's keep – and speaking of rain, so we still have if the, those Hurricane Ida T-shirts. Those are really nice-looking T-shirts, and all the proceeds go to support the victims down there in Mississippi, Louisiana. And uh, so they can go to the mossyoakstore.com, mm-hmm. Dudley, and you can see those T-shirts. They're really cool. So I want to make sure we do that. Lanny, I, I made myself a note. Go ahead and turn your phone off so your bookie doesn't call. Yeah, I've already got it turned off. Yeah, here. and Mac had said there's a couple of games you, he wanted to get what you were going to bet on. So after the podcast, maybe y'all can get together. Well, this is not going to be good information, Mac. Is it baseball season? Well, and let me ask you this. So yesterday there was a, an email. We were, we were considering having a guest that was a professional football player. Yeah, yeah. And then you you fired I knew he off. Played at, football, but hang on, you fired off. Does he still play for the Chargers? Yes. So I wanted to ask you: Do you know what city the Chargers are in? 
You know, the only thing I can associate is what the helmets look like. And I think apparently after more research, I got confused between the lightning bolt and the ram horn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think both of them are somewhere out west. They are very out west, yeah. But there's a specific city that they reside in. Bobby, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you didn't ask me that question. I mean, Bobby's such a big bully because he knows that Lanny doesn't know whether a quarterback is on offense or defense. Yeah. I he's mean, not, yeah. he's not a football aficionado I, at all. I'm not. No, he, he's not. I don't mean to bully him. I, just, I thought uh, you'd be proud that I actually knew he played yeah, on a football team. I, I did. I was shocked. I, I, was like, <laughs> I mean, he listens, yeah. you know, to us. But, you know, he'll go to a Mississippi State game and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Or if his yeah. kids are playing. Yeah, well. And to be honest, uh, I thought they were in San Diego. But uh, when uh, I Googled just to make sure they're in Los Angeles, I didn't even know they'd moved. So, oh, yeah. Aren't the Rams in – wait, where are the Chargers? Both. I think they're both in the uh, same city. I mean, well, that, that's pretty good then. I got the city right. You were really close. There yeah. we go. Yeah, I'm proud of myself. Three different teams in L.A. in the last, whatever, ten years, I guess. Cause Isn't the, that crazy? Well, we yeah. might have given away who our future guests we're hoping to have on here. But. Nah. nah, we haven't. Okay. And look, one other thing. I've heard a rumor that Richie, our, our esteemed television producer, Richie. Has is doing some announcing at night on Friday Night Lights where he is the Caledonia football team announcer. Can you imagine this? And, Richie, I was hoping you would just give us a I, taste I of I told you not to bring this up. But, <laughs> what, what would it sound like if we were in Caledonia on a Friday night? Well, give us a sound. First and ten, Cavaliers here. All right. All right. I like Isn't that. Isn't that good? Bud Bowen better look out. He is good. <laughs> Touchdown, Cavaliers. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Richie. All right. Well, look. So what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about trail cam. Mm-hmm. And it's a subject we all love dearly. Uh, cameras are a big part of being a gamekeeper and knowing what's on your property and who's on your property. We, and we get to pretend like we're big brother government mm-hmm. and surveillance everything. Exactly it's really right. changed the way we do things, though. I mean, it's crazy. It, it just has. Then they've crazy. come a long oh, way my since goodness. we originally started. I can remember taking film to the CVS and getting it developed, and I would put your name on it, Lanny, so people wouldn't know that. They those, wouldn't know he was on your property. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have been on in a minute, and he'll be watching. No telling how many of them while he's on his podcast and watching them. Yeah, from the his phone. Crazy. You know, it is. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing, and and you know, it it really. I think. You know, it gets people in the woods more. You would think they would stay out because they could see it, but you know, when you when you actually know what's going on a little bit, you get a little more excited about hunting. So, I think for a lot of people, it's more fun than the hunt itself. One hundred percent. It's a sport. It's part of gamekeeping now. It's a sport. It is like especially because by the you know for us, you know, it's kind of that uh, terrible time when it, turkey season ends and we're all depressed. But then that would be a great time to start. Yeah. That I've learned by just putting them up. And being absent-minded enough and irresponsible enough to leave them out there, that's actually pretty cool to put them up before you ever plant the food plot because it catches kind of a time release of what you did and what went on and the dates you did it. And actually, amazingly, a guy like Greg Briggs driving by with a tractor at 11 o'clock Friday night planting food plots mm-hmm. never tells me he works that late. Just, But then you see a snapshot of your place and the stuff that uses it. It taught me more than patterning a big deer necessarily to see what all went on through the development of the food plot, especially with these hogs and what happened. So it's very educational. I go back and I just leave. If I, if I pull a chip, I put one right back in and just leave them there for the entire year. And it teaches me so much more about my place 
you know, take an inventory of things than just the deer do. Yeah. Yeah, and quite often we're leaving, you know, after hunting season, you know, so let's, like, to your point, let you know what's going on. Sure. That's sure. really cool. Not to mention who comes in and out of the gate. Right. That's yeah. always good. Yeah, that's good, yeah. To yeah. So, good to know. So the guy that's going to be So it's be more than here. just deer porn now. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, it's, it's about constantly monitoring more for property. us, but not for Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> deer porn it's more than such deer a porn. harsh word. Uh, well, you know, if somebody's huddled up around their computer around here with their, their door shut, they're more than likely uh, looking at deer porn. Yeah. Well, be real careful. Don't know. say that word. It's horn. Deer Pornography. Hornography. That's even better. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good word. It's a clean word. I like that. That's better than deer porn. Don't Hornography. Say, yeah. Stop. Yeah. Don't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> so our guest, we got Ben Mackey. We're going to ask him some specific questions. We also got a guy named Eric Gangsta. Now that name's kind of hard to pronounce. Gangsta. I, I thought it was Gangsta yeah. too. It, no, it's Gangsta. I'm sure Gangster. he's never heard that yeah, that it, one before. And is uh, the trail cameologist on Instagram? Richie, is he on Zoom yet? Have you got got him up? He probably. I hope not, because we've been rambling. Oh, here we go, Mike, get, getting the internet wired, fired up. Put the old ticking top now. So, Mike, while we're while we're waiting on uh, Eric to get up and Richie uh, is over there doing what he does best, would you go ahead and talk about our commercial? Yeah. <clears throat> so, our commercial this week is going to be none other than Spartan trail cameras. Well, how and, appropriate. And the coolest <laughs> thing that they've, ca- they've came out with is they have a shared data plan where you can purchase, once you purchase a data plan, you can add multiple cameras to that data plan for only $5 a camera. Oh, that's great. So if you have multiple cameras out, you can just use that one data plan, that one service, and then just spend $5 and then add an additional camera to that plan. Well, I promise you, once you get one and get it up working, the first thing you want to do is get another one. Yeah, Blade plug. Just telling the truth, don't have anything to do with the fact that we're involved with them and all. I've never seen it happen before, and Mac is second in you know sinning, but to my youngest of the two <laughs> sons, and putting trail cameras out and just forgetting them, and they get flooded in the backwater, and then I go through them, and it happens every year, probably last four or five years in a row. The Spartan, he got my Spartan, and I had one, and he put it out there. And we went back, and I mean, you can see it sending pictures, and then you can see the water, and then it quit. And I went and got it, and just, you know, to just cry over it and throw it away and turn it on, and it still works. Mm, Every other camera that's ever remotely, even if I leave one out there for too long, they just don't withstand that. And I'm not putting anybody else's down. All I'm saying is it is the best made one mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a personal testimony. And, yeah. I couldn't believe you could actually see in the middle of a food plot, there's a wood duck about a foot from the lens because swimming it, by. The, the backwater's up so high, it's coming across the bottom of the camera, and there's a wood duck swimming by. And then it goes blank. And then when I, it didn't leak, it didn't, the seal held. I mean, the water got over it. You know, for about a day, and it still works. They're still not working right now. The toughest and most reliable ones, You're, but they work in places that nothing else works. Yeah. I was skeptical, you know, yeah. and Bobby, when we first started working with them, we took it to the most remote. We can't even get text messages no, out there. It's amazing. And it works like a champion. I, I think they're missing the boat by just not selling the antennas for regular cell phones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but, but they had, so not all their cameras part. are cell phone. Uh, but, but, 
tied in. Some of them are just regular trail cam. I think yeah. one's called the yeah. Lumen. It's yeah. a really incredible so, little camera. So. And they've got some kind of, I know we're going off on, on Spartan here. Isn't there a new live view kind of thing they've got going on now? Too? Yes, they've got a button. I think we've been trying to get you one, mm-hmm. actually, for the duck, for the duck, duck traps. Yep, yep. But so we're going to can... use them this year. The, the, the weather messed us up bad last year on the, the whole right. duck banding project got canned by Mississippi State because of the weather mm-hmm. conditions. But we'll be ready this year. The traps are ready. We're gonna have set. Yeah, we're gonna yep. anyway. We're, so you you can you can uh, you can go to the app, Lanny, and you can there's a live button, right? And you click on it, and you and it takes about thirty seconds, but then that camera turns on, and you can see what's going on. That's super cool. It really is. Because so you always want to know. Mac, you're raising your hand. What's going on? And for people like Mr. Toxie that like having their cameras on all year long, they actually have a really cool solar panel that you can hook up. And so you can remove that that pressure from going and checking your cameras, or if you have the cell phone camera, it'll send it to your phone, so you never have to worry about getting in there or anything like that, changing the batteries or anything. That that solar solar panel really works well. Yeah, that's great. It, well, Matt, what is their website? Do you know off the top of your head? Yes, I do. It's SpartanCamera.com. I'd say that Mac is right on the button. I'm telling you, he's, he's on it now. Good. Yeah, thank you, Mac, so much. And Spartan Cameras, guys, we really appreciate all they do, and we trust them. They're a good, yep. good equipment. There's so, a bunch of good ones. I'm not saying they're yeah, no, ones, you're right. But they're, they are. We can testify. They and this one, really these, these well cameras made. have put up with us. I mean, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> a great point. Yeah. All right. Well, so look, we're going to move right along. We have got our guest, Eric Ganster. Who is the uh, uh, better known as the uh, as the trail camologist on Instagram? And Eric, we're looking at you. We want to hit the horns real quick and give you a proper introduction. There, look out, Eric. There's a strutter behind you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're gonna run somebody off yeah. one day, Mike. They're gonna hang up on us. Well, I hope not. But Eric, we're so glad to have you. Can you hear us and see us and all that? Yes, 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 sir. I, I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Hey, Eric. What? How you doing, guys? Yeah, so that's Dudley. We've got Lanny Wallace, Toxie Hayes is sitting down here at the other end of the table. With Max his, with his here. lip poked out. Yeah. Because, I, if, you know, if I, this is one where I can <laughs> learn so much more. And so I'll be like, trying to be listening more. But uh, we've got a tropical storm bearing down on us, and I've got all kind of stuff sitting he, out there half finished. And so uh, I pouted the whole time. In Eric, the little preamble here, so Eric, he looks like he dropped his sucker in the sand. That's the way I know to put it. Popsicle too, and it's melting. <laughs> so look, uh, we're doing all the talking. We want to look. Tell us about your Instagram page and how you got into trail cams. I think you run out. Uh, it's going to stagger us how many cameras you operate. Uh, currently, I'm running probably about right around a hundred. Actually, working out in the field right now. Um, between about four states, I'm, I'm fortunate where I'm at in Western Pennsylvania. I'm literally five minutes from West Virginia, 10 minutes from Ohio, and a little less than an hour from Maryland. So I'm able to get to all, all, all of those states pretty quickly. Um, but I got started way back when. I've always had a passion for, for wildlife and being outdoors. And, you know, clear back in the old, when, when camcorders first come out in the early 90s, oh, yeah. I was the kid out with the camcorder you know, videotaping bucks because it was just a way for me to be out and to keep a better eye on. I just, I, I just have always been passionate about being out there and being in the field. And then when the trail cameras first come around, uh, they had the cam tracker. Uh, I think I had one of those and, and probably had lots of fits with it because it didn't work quite like I'd hoped. But, uh, and then, you know, and some of the other, the, the brands come around and the cameras got better. And, you know, it used to be the 35 millimeter film was mm-hmm. the standard. 
So I would spend hundreds of dollars at the local pharmacy. You know, people probably thought I was crazy developing rolls and rolls and rolls of film off the old cameras. And you didn't, you didn't know what you were getting at that time. You, you might develop 12 rolls of film and get two or three pictures of deer and thousands of pictures of coons and squirrels and anything else. So when the, when the digital cameras came out is, is when I really, really got into it and, you know, made it so much easier. But yeah, nowadays I'm, I'm, I'm well over a hundred. Probably got half as many as that down in my garage that don't work. I resemble that remark. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, through the years, what are some of the things that you've learned? Are there some tips that you can give us and, and people listening that will help them have a better time with their camera, make it last longer, or, or anything like that? Um, probably the biggest thing is, you know, buy quality quality SD cards, and, and I'm a big proponent of lithium batteries. Uh, the lithium batteries, you're going to pay two to three times more up front, but they're going to last you three to four times as long, and your, your performance is actually going to get better. Um, on a standard camera, especially if you're running it in video mode or if you're running a cellular camera and you have standard alkalines in there, you're going to notice a difference at night. Your night pictures aren't going to be as bright, and as those batteries start to really wear down, your night pictures are just going to go black. Um, hmm. Cellular cameras are notorious battery battery eaters. So I try to run as many external solar panels or 12 volt external batteries on those as possible. Um, that's one of the biggest things. And, and I guess on the cellular camera front, if you're looking for better battery life, switch your cameras instead of having the instant send where they send everything as soon as it takes, switch them to send once or twice a day. Um, that'll extend your battery life phenomenally in, in cellular cameras. Um, as far as learning, I, I've just learned a lot of, I've learned the hard way on a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, I like setting a lot of cameras in cricks and on, on rivers and you'd be surprised if you haven't tried it, how, how much of a, a highway water sources are for, for everything, for deer, for coyotes, you know, waterfowl. But I've learned the hard way. I've had lots of cameras flooded and, and had lots of cameras sitting underwater for a few days at a time. Yeah, we were just talking about that, yeah. and uh, Tosh was telling us about an experience that he'd had a positive one with a flooded camera. But I think that I don't think that happens all the time. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah. More often than not, you're losing it. Yep. <laughs> he immediately put it in a bowl of rice, and it it cleared up <laughs> in about ten minutes. So, so Eric, oh, oatmeal, Dudley. What are you, uh, you making? Eric, I'm sorry. By the way, I like your. You've got a really nice studio there behind you. Oh, that yeah. looks nice you know in there. I just put this together for you guys this morning. I, I come home from work early, and, and we had the computer. And my wife had it out in the living room. I, th- I said, I can't, I can't be sitting in here. We gotta, we gotta put the computer in my hunting room. So well, you did. Oh, a her- awesome. you, you made a Herculean effort to outdo Bobby. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I think it looks better than Hercules <laughs> for sure. Well, let's no, sure. not go that far. Yeah. Well, it I does got, look good. Yeah. I got, I got a little worried because when I brought the computer in, I couldn't get it to connect. So I, I was, I was having a little panic attack there about a half hour ago. I, cu- I couldn't get the internet to connect. But well, we, we have that problem thing, all the time. Good thing we're always 30 minutes behind. Yeah, you that's had, right. You had plenty of time <laughs> well, to get all that fixed. So while you were panicking about your computer, I was panicking whether these guys were going to come in here today or not. That's just the kind of thing I go through every week. So <laughs> we, Bobby. we all have our crosses that we must bear. So, But let's move along. Dudley, you have some questions you wanted to ask. Yeah, I've got several. Um, this may be for some of the uh, – 
I, I don't see this quite as much on the cell cameras, but, um, you know, the whole runaway picks thing or a problem where you just have to sit there and click to the next photo a million times in a row. Um, or, do you have any tips on how to keep that from happening as much? Obviously, you know, trim out any any vegetation branches. Something you know, I've had summertime, especially you'll get a you'll get a vine or a weed that grows three feet overnight, and then you have twelve thousand pictures of that weed blowing in front of your camera. <laughs> uh, so I try to trim as much as I can without getting too carried away. But you know, then uh, adjusting the sensitivity levels. Some of the cameras have a have a you can adjust the sensitivity from low, medium to high. And some brands, to be honest with you, some brands are just way more sensitive than others. Uh, first thing I would try is, you know, make sure your vegetation's trimmed, and then I would I would adjust the sensitivity level down. You know, most of them are, are defaulting to a medium, but I usually go down to low if I'm having trouble with it. And okay. it, that varies in the, in the summertime too. The the hot summer days, you you tend to get more runaway pictures than than in the winter and fall. Okay. That makes sense. So, hey, Eric, what about uh, with running that many cameras? Do you get many stolen? You know what? I'm, I'm fortunate. I should knock on wood right now. I've been very fortunate the last few years. I've, I've got a couple nice pieces of ground. Um, no. Uh, now, three or four years ago, I had somebody, I'm, I'm fairly certain, somebody followed me and went in, and I lost about 20 cameras over a course of a weekend. Wow. Man, and they were locked. They, they, they were locked on the tree and all. And they, I don't know if they had a grinder or bolt cutters or what they did, but they, they took them all. Mm, so, wow. As devastated as I was to lose 20 cameras, I was almost as devastated to lose 20 cameras worth of pictures over the course of a month. No doubt about wow. it. Yeah. And those lithium yeah, I'm batteries. Yeah, certain, I'm fairly <laughs> certain somebody caught on. And that, that's why I've gotten a little more secretive, especially this time of year when I start getting some nicer deer on camera. A little bit more secretive about giving out any kind of location, uh, even general location. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that people people followed me a few years ago and, and took those cameras. Wow, sad. sad. Yeah, it is sad. We even yeah. had reports that um, folks using infrared to be able to see the fronts of the cameras and locating them yeah. that way. So I'm gonna give you my hot tip, and this is something actually. Uh, game board buddy said to try and it really works so we're worried about that we were using some for surveillance purposes actually from people coming in when you were they were coming in and it worked they caught them because uh, they were they were sending live pics and they knew they were in there and they you know a couple times they've been able to catch people but they said tape up your like your um, lens the you know the round holes or your flash anything you don't want and take like uh, adhesive spray and spray the whole front of the camera, including the antennas and everything, and just put it face down in a bunch of leaves a couple times, dirt and leaves and stuff, and you, and then use rusty, like a single rusty wire to go around yeah. the tree. And I'm telling you, when I went to get, someone worked for me to put these up because he'd gotten a tip how to do it. And I went to get them, and I knew right where he'd put them, within 10 yards. And I'm looking at my camera my phone and it's taking pictures of me and I'm like it's got to be right here <laughs> and I still can't find it it took me forever looking right at the camera to even see it being there so I know you know that's a really cool way to disguise them that I hadn't well, learned of before try it on yeah. one of yours and look at it it really works I will I will that's a good idea yeah the strap I've will had, give them away too guys, uh, I've had cameras and you know so-called uh I, I use the term sportsman loosely, uh, but I've had cameras shot. They, they couldn't get them off the tree. 
Oh, wow. So, next thing, yeah, they've shot them with 22s. I lost a few cameras that way over the years. Um, but like I said, knock on wood, I'm pretty fortunate right now that I've got a couple properties that, that I feel we're pretty safe on, and, and we, uh, you know, we keep an eye on things pretty tight. And first few years on, on one particular property I have here just behind my house, it's 200 acres, and that's where I'm putting the majority of my food plots this year. Um, first year I was there, I, I, I had some trouble with some people, but, uh, we, you know, once, once the word got out that we were in there and we were, we were managing it and keeping an eye on it and posting it and had cameras in there, knock on wood, I haven't had any issues over the past year or two with, with people. Oh, uh, you may or may not have thought about this too. We've had some issues with it before. I won't even say where, what or whatever, but yeah, theft. And I also found out from, um, game warden friends that they'll use thermal imaging to and they'll see a trail camera from the the signature the heat signature a couple hundred yards away even in the woods it'll show up so much that they'll be able to make sure and not get their picture taken and slip around and get rid of it or do something to it so they're um, I don't call any brands but I have found there's a brand that I know of that was tried and does not give off a heat signature so at least for surveillance purposes uh, it would work, but that's something else. I don't know how you prevent them from finding that. Uh, but so they could, could take. Uh, yeah, a you could, could take infrared binoculars. Yeah, or something. you see yeah, the yes. infrared that yes. the cameras put now. Yes, mm-hmm. they can just get. It, they said even if it's behind trees and stuff, if you move around much at all, they just stick out tremendously. Just like that, you think a especially in cold, cold weather, because I mean it's measuring. I think the differences in temperature. Yeah. So what are you saying, Lane? Right. You know how the picture of the snake that's circulating around. You know, and you were like, oh, it's attracted to the heat of the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the yeah. infrared scene. Yeah, they are okay. attracted to the heat. So anyway, there's so, just something else, that little tidbit. Those guys have to make a living catching folks that don't do right. They're, they're really good at it. Yeah. Um, Eric, I've got another question. Um, do you – I know folks used to do this a lot. Um, with the new cell cameras, does it really matter, like, the direction you face the camera? You hear – People saying, well, the sun leans to the south, I'm going to put it this way. Or is that as much of a issue anymore? It, it is. Uh, it is, but it isn't. It depends on what you're, what you're looking for. I, I have one particular cell camera right now. It's probably one of my most productive cameras for, for bucks this time of year. And it's facing due east. So between 7, 7.15 a.m. and 9 a.m., it gets whited out. But you know what? In the evening... That's my best camera. So it's all, you just got to kind of live with it. But yeah, yeah, if you do face east, you're going to get the sunrise. If you face west, you're going to get the sunset. Um, But on the other hand, like some of my cameras, like the Spartan Lumen that does the white flash, if I I face that towards a sunset, I'll get some of the most amazing pictures you ever see because it doesn't doesn't get whited out. It it takes those, you get those beautiful sunsets and they show up great. Okay. So I, I purposely, especially with that particular camera, I purposely face it towards the sunset, just looking for those, uh, what I like to call postcard shots. Right. That's neat how you can, you know, instead of just using it to get inventory, yes. you're using it to try to have an artistic quality to your photos. And that, it Definitely. makes it more fun. Definitely. It does. And I, I, I pay attention to the background. I mean, I... I have certain cameras that are just out there for intelligence and I'm looking for deer and looking for what's crossing. But the majority of my cameras, I'm paying attention to the backdrop. I'm paying attention to 
you know, what the light's going to reflect on at night and, and, you know, what the sunset or sunrise may be. And, you know, a lot of times if you can get some in the fall, I, I look for colors. I'm trying to get those fall colors to pop out in the picture. But, wow. yeah, I definitely uh, like the artistic quality of it just as much as I do surveillance for the for the critters. That's a testament to today's quality, at least of some of them, mm-hmm. because – you couldn't have that conversation five or six years ago. Not really. I mean, it would have been something you might appreciate, you know, for the emotion of it or something. But the quality, that kind of quality wasn't there in today's, a lot of the newer models of today. That, similar to what they've been able to do with cell phone picture quality. It's crazy yeah, it how is, good yeah. quality they are. Yeah. So I follow Eric on his tra- at Trail Camology page. And what's interesting, a lot of his posts that he'll do will be on a like a – like a creek crossing, there'll right. be a tree across a creek or something, and he gets some really interesting. You'd be, it's fascinating to see what actually tiptoes across mm-hmm. that that log, mm-hmm. and, and you you really pay yeah. attention to that, don't you, Eric? I do, I do. I lost I lost my favorite log this past spring. It got washed out in a flood, but gosh, this this one big log across the creek was was just a highway. I mean, I had turkeys would use it, and, and anything that didn't want to get wet would use that log, bobcats, coyotes, coons, turkeys, mink, uh, weasels, you name it, and I got it on that log. So I was devastated. I went in there one day, and that log was gone. So I'm, I'm on the hunt for my next uh, perfect log. I actually thought about placing a log down there myself, just, just kind there of one putting it there to, to give them their bridge back. <laughs> hey, here's yeah. a, hey, I got a question. Why not? Um, along the lines of what Dully asked about facing, you know, I've always had to contend with that. And I, I think the early cameras would actually send more false images if you faced them west, if I'm not mistaken, just yeah. from shadows moving or something. But um, if you, you know, one of the things that'll knock you out of pictures for an hour or two is a heavy dew or rainfall fogging them up. Have you used anything to prevent that before? That's a tough one, and it's especially hard this time of year when you're getting these cooler nights. So, you know, at least up our way, we're starting to get into. We had a 48 degree night. Oh, well, I can't ago, wait. So we're starting to bring to, it on. Yeah, we're starting to dip, and, and this time of year and in early spring, the dew is just tough to deal with. Um, I've tried a, a product. You'll laugh, but it's called cat crap. If you mm. look it up online, <laughs> that's what it's called, and it's for the scuba divers use it on their their masks. Right. It's oh yeah. So I've had a little bit of luck with that, um, but it seems like I, I'm not out there enough to apply it enough. It seems like you'd almost have to apply it every day. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I've even tried Rain-X with limited success. Uh, again, I think direction affects a lot of that in the mornings. If, you, if yeah. you're if you facing west and your wind's coming west, you're getting that dew kind of blowing in overnight. Right. Yeah, that's just a, a – it's tough. I have a lot of great pictures and a lot of – that are ruined because a little bit of dew or a raindrop or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've heard of folks using those desiccant packs, uh, but my understanding is that, you know, that's enough to keep some of the moisture down inside of your unit, but not enough right. to help keep the fog off the lens. Yeah. The fog on the outside of the lens, there's not, it's just a tough, it's a tough one to deal with. Yeah. I keep the desiccant packs inside to try to keep the moisture out. Um, but, yeah, dealing with the fog is just – it's part of the territory, especially this time of year. So with all these cameras you're running, have you got any, any like, interesting pictures of the things you weren't expecting, or has anybody pulled yeah. any pranks on you or anything? <laughs> <laughs> I had 
I had an ex-father-in-law of mine. Uh, you want to talk about dedication to pulling a prank? Uh, <laughs> sounds like a country song. Man, <laughs> it, it could have been. It could have been. We. Uh, I, I have a cemetery, an old cemetery. There's there's graves back into the 1700s, right up the road from my house here. And you can't hunt the cemetery, which I wish you could, because there's some massive bucks and turkeys that run around in the cemetery and the property behind it, I should say. But I did get permission to put a few cameras in there a few years ago, so I did just just to just to see what was in there. Uh, I went out to check them one day, and this this was back in the 35 millimeter film days. So I developed them, and and you know I got halfway through the roll, and here's here's a guy on my camera with a black trench coat, duster, some kind of long coat, and he had a mask over his face, and he had a shovel over his shoulder. Now, what really got me about it is the timestamp said it was 3.12 a.m. Now, that takes dedication to go in there at 3.12 a.m. and do this, especially in a cemetery. <laughs> yeah. So the first <laughs> set of pictures was him carrying the shovel, and he kind of he kind of knew where the camera was. He'd been up there with me to check him a few times. Well, then probably an hour later, 45 minutes to an hour later, he comes back past the camera at an angle, but this time he's got what looks like a body wrapped in a white blanket. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I was freaked out. I, I, I zoomed in on these pictures, you know. I, I was blowing them up and, and looking, and I just couldn't figure out who it was or who would do that. Nobody was owning up to it. My wife is a uh, is an emergency room nurse, so she'd taken the pictures into the hospital with her, and she ended up showing a firefighter or an EMT who knew somebody who knew the police chief. And, and uh, the pictures got all the way back to the police chief of our little town. <laughs> <laughs> and he called me up, and he wanted to see these pictures. So at that point, my my fuck my ex father in law he got a little worried, and uh, he finally fessed up to it. But but he got me good. That was a good. One. I was a little worried. I didn't I didn't want to go back in the woods that after that. I didn't want them thinking I was I was up there digging graves or something. You know, no doubt. <laughs> so that that was probably the, the most surprising, the the unexplained. But I've got I've got you name it, uh, lots and lots of trespassers. Uh, um, I've got I've got some things that you know. Owls, I, I think owls always make for some weird pictures yes. and videos at night. You never can quite figure out what they are until you look really close. Have you had any unexplained lights? That's the thing. Orbs. I'm sure. Yeah, Orbs, I mean, man. seriously, that I can't. <laughs> I, I, I know right where it is, and I know it's, there's no sky or anything behind it, whatever. And these, I mean, it's just undeniable, these lights, and then in subsequent pictures kind of move around. And it's not yeah. where anyone would be standing or a flashlight could possibly be. Just no, my only point is I, I don't know what it is, but it's not, you can't explain it. Yeah. Right. No, I get those quite often, and I, I always kind of chalk them up to bugs. or, or But yeah. I've got them in the wintertime when there shouldn't be any bugs around. So, yeah, they are kind of kind of strange. Yes. And, and one, of the things, one of the things I do see a lot is if you get a deer up close to your camera, it's above it in the picture. So if you get one where there's two two if you if you look up from the picture you'll you'll actually see that it's the deer's eyes reflecting through the lens right but i've had people send me those on instagram telling me there's there's ufos above the deer and they're usually explainable but i do get those those orbs from time to time that i can't quite put my finger on and you know bugs can can do that and trigger a picture but this some of them definitely weren't bugs i just have no idea what it was mm. what it was but bobby you've never been pranked before with a cell phone i mean a 
a deer oh, camera, yeah, have yeah. you? Yeah, Larry Moore got oh, me. Oh, the worst one ever. Yeah, got I forgot. Really I've, bad. I've got a really good, fun story on that line. I would say not as quite as good as yours. And then I want Bobby. I'll try to be brief, but Bobby needs to tell his. That's the worst one I've ever seen played <laughs> on someone. I forgot. Uh, Talk about sticking to So your everybody out there probably, 90% of them listening to this knows who Cuz is. And he had his uh, first place he ever bought and built a really nice camp house, really log cabin house. Uh, Seven Oaks down there in uh, Kemper County, and my, my main main man Greg Briggs lived like a mile from it, and was helping him all the time, you know, with stuff. And they got to be such fast friends. And he um, had all these rubs and scrapes and deer sign. They hunted, 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 just like typical Kemper County Mississippi deer. He never did see them during daylight, so he put a camera right behind their camp and he was gone to like the shot show and the bow show and he had a pretty good run of being out of town when he got back he went and um, you know it was, it was back far enough you know he was developing film we went to yeah, the Kmart and got the film de- developed and it was this I mean it was Sasquatch <laughs> literally and it was like about eight yards from the camera kind of walking away looking back and he had two different pictures of it and you know what? To top off that, about a week before, down the street, down the country road from him, about two miles, um, something just trashed a guy's like uh, chicken coops. I mean, just smashed it. it. More, you know, it wasn't even a couldn't be a coyote or a fox. Something just smashed it and killed a bunch, almost all of them. And it was like all this, you know, talk about there's a bear down here or something, you know. And everybody loves conspiracy theories. Well, anyway, <laughs> he gets this stuff developed and is freaking out and doesn't know. And he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell Pam. Well, Pam's in on it. Turns out it's Greg Briggs. And he's gotten with one of our friends down there was a head district game warden. And they had a live gorilla suit. A live one? Not, yeah, I mean, not, a, not dead a dead one. A live one. A gorilla? Yeah. Yes, sir. A real <laughs> And it was so live, realistic looking. And so one of those game, game wards put that thing on and walked across there at like 12 at night. And then that's it. And what? so Cuz was so freaked out that he wouldn't. And he wouldn't to this day. He acts like he knew, but he did not. <laughs> and Greg would be like, did you hear anything? Nope. Hadn't heard a word. And then, you know, Pam knew about it. Nope. Not a word. So anyway. He finally, back then, it was so far, like you said, so far ago, he knew because we worked with him, the guy at the photo lab at Mississippi State, yep. which is pretty high tech at the time, and took the pictures over there. And the guy said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to say it's not actually a Sasquatch or gorilla. Look down here. And they, he zoomed in on the feet. And it was feet, but it had a little shine to it, like black shoes almost. He said, that's not a real. Until that time, he realized. And literally, I was sitting there and uh, – <laughs> Greg's phone rings and he looked at it and said, Mm-mm. And he said, Ronnie Cuz Strickland. And he picked it up and he goes, It's on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Click. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's really But he good. was really worked up. I'd say four days. So I Bobby, back, he was, just didn't tell anybody. Four days though. is, I don't know how long you had to go through your pain. Four yeah. days is a pretty good practical joke, but yeah. I think Bobby's Bobby sets the record. Yeah. 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 So. 
Yeah, so, boy, I forgot about this, but uh, oh. this was many, many I'm years glad ago. I brought it up. Yeah, this is but a great one. Larry Moore, who is the, was it, that, that, and still is, I suppose, but yes. the camo designer. Yeah, And uh, he and I, and actually Toxie, were in a little club here, so full 400 acres. And Larry calls me into his his office one day and he says i got a picture that i want to show you but i'm not sh- don't tell toxie about it, 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 it I mean, real adamant, you know to, to make the truth known i was never in that club he's just trying to say that yeah, well, so, so so he pulls up this picture on his computer and it's a giant non-typical in velvet with drop tines going everywhere it's like a 240 inch <laughs> it's a giant dude i mean it is and i i can remember the only sound i heard was the gentle thud of my jaw hitting yeah. the floor that this deer might be on Eastridge. So he said, look, we just got to be careful. We don't. We need to not tell anybody about him and just hunt careful and not spook this deer. This is where I think he lives. And, I was just <laughs> and understand, it's at the feeder that you know where it is. Right. It's, it's, it's exactly it is. Yeah, there's a, there's a, Larry's got a feeder, yeah. and it's at that feeder. This deer yeah, is he, underneath this feeder. Un- so, unmistakably in that spot. So I, that season, I did so much homework, so much scouting, so much preparation. <laughs> if the wind was even remotely wrong, I wouldn't go in there. He wouldn't even that, take his daughter that year. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, nobody's on the Gorgeous. It was – and I passed up deer that normally I would have just given my right arm to shoot because I kept <laughs> looking for this one deer. Well, the season went. And no, and I knew if anybody else killed it, I would hear about it. So, and so nothing still ever, be alive. Yeah. It would have been on the front page of the paper. Yeah. So, Easily. So the deer, nothing ever happened. Well, and it just kept on and just it just kind of you died. took you took his daughter out there looking for the sheds. Yeah, spent all shed, kind of time looking wore for out the boots sheds. looking for sheds and just it just finally I was like, well, I don't. It must have died of old age or something. I don't know. So fast forward a few years, we're at our hunting camp and Austin Delano's with us and a guy that uh, used to work for us from Texas that that knew a bunch about breeder bucks started pulling up this website of all these big non typicals that you could uh, you know. The breeder you can mail order, yeah. yeah. And so he pulls up one, and I said, "That's the same dad come deer." <laughs> there How dare they? I thought you told me Austin. You showed Austin like, "Look at the deer I'm hunting." And Austin said, "Let me show you that deer." And that, but not, I didn't, not I it was a little bit more complex than okay. that. But but so uh, Morgan's pulled up this deer, and uh, I mean he's just going through deer, and I see it, and I recognize it, and I still had a photo of back then. And, oh, that's what it was. And yeah. we compared it. Well, I didn't. It, this was the first beginnings of Photoshop, right? Yeah. And Larry had painstakingly photoshopped this Texas buck under that feeder. And In between developing patterns. Yeah, yes. I mean, he probably worked for so, weeks doing So, that. if my memory serves me right, you went like a year and a half, basically, of your life. I thought it was two Dedicating years. all your yeah. hunting to that deer. It, it was more like two years, to Yeah, be it was two years. And he never, he never told you. He never and he knew, <laughs> And he knew you were bypassing everything else, staying yes. home from trips. You know, spending your whole life looking for him. Yeah, and and at the time, and he was killing these deer, and I was going, Larry, why are you shooting that deer? <laughs> you going to spook the Larry? Do did you not realize deer, what we have on this place? Did that deer? Oh, have yeah, a, I know what we have. <laughs> did you name that deer? I don't remember. Thirty out oh. six or something. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I, he had a name. It was from famous from breeder buck from some place yeah. in Texas. Fabio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. So anyway, but Eric, well, look, we got sidetracked. Uh, but that, we're, What that we're doing, we're giving people more bad ideas than good ideas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's very true. 
All in fun. You might not want to, uh, you know, uh, I guess divulge your brand uh, of, of batteries that you prefer. But do you see any difference in the brands? Uh, yeah, definitely. Buy as many lithiums as possible, especially this time of year. As the weather gets colder, lithiums are going are gonna to last longer and longer and longer. So obviously I'm buying Energizer lithiums as yeah. much as I can. But at $1.25 to $1.50 a battery and 100 cameras that take on an average of 8 to 10 batteries, that, that gets a little pricey. This man needs a battery uh, sponsor. <laughs> you know what? I've, I've asked for one several times. I've, I've, I've made kind of jokingly posted out there like hey energizer if you're listening you know i'm your buddy but, uh, <laughs> i i i've done really well believe it or not with dollar general brand batteries it's interesting you say that very well mm-hmm. interesting and, and they're that. cheap so throughout the summer months when i don't want to burn up lithiums i use dollar general brand alkaline batteries bill sug would be so proud he's a fan of dollar general batteries well that's that's only if they don't have my dark cheek yeah. <laughs> we actually uh, i actually did a small study believe it or not uh with hayden testing batteries for one of his school projects and uh as far as the longest lasting it was energizer and the best battery for your buck was dollar general is wow that, that's the what truth. about what about those harbor freight batteries did you test those? i didn't test those i think we yeah. tested energizer duracell uh rayovac which has always been my choice uh and uh you look like a rayovac I know, guy i've guy. changed now <laughs> I've, you know, i bring on rayovacs and he's like you're not cutting the mustard yeah so. yeah tractor supply has their own batteries too we need to check those out yeah mm-hmm. so hey well look we're good Eric, I don't want you to stay on. We're going to get Ben Mackey. Um, there, a lot of people know Ben. Most everybody knows Ben. He's been here at Mossy Oak for years. But he is a genius when it comes to – He's an assassin. Yes, go, going after specific big deer. So, uh, But, Eric, while we're getting him on the screen there, uh, I think you'll enjoy listening to what he can add to this conversation. But we wanted to ask you – Mike had a question about memory cards. And what else was it, Mike? Yeah, I just didn't know if you had a specific memory card – uh, size that you prefer and or the, brand yeah or brand or and the formatting process of the memory cards because i know the worst thing is going up to a camera and know that your memory card isn't working or hasn't been working yeah. if you're only using a handful of cameras you know when i say a handful you know maybe a dozen or less and you're using all the same brand you're not going to have much trouble with the formatting I run into a lot of problems with, you know, a hundred cameras. That means I got to have 200 SD cards and then trying to keep them brand specific gets tough. So I format every time when I, I plug them into the computer and check them, as I delete that card, I'll do a quick format on it. That way I know when it's going back into the, whatever camera it goes in, it's clean. Now there are some brands that are really, really picky as far as their SD cards. Um, so there's are, there are a few that I'll, I'll make a mark. I'll take a paint marker and put a blue dot on certain cards, and that, those cards are only used in that one brand of cameras. Um, I don't buy anything less than 16 gig gigabyte right now. Um, most cameras are taking 32. Some are taking up to 64 and 128. But I do. I, I like to run a lot of video. Uh, I think you can gain a lot of information on video, again, this, this time of year especially. So I, if I'm running video, I try to run a 32 or a 64 at least. Uh, everything's class 10. I, I wouldn't even look at a card if it wasn't class 10. Uh, most of the cheap ones you find online, eBay or Amazon or whatever, are going to be class four. They just won't. They, they don't write fast enough. So your your video or even your pictures will sometimes come out choppy and pixelated. Um, as far as brands, I buy SanDisk. They've they've always been good for me. 
in a pinch one time i bought i bought maybe a dozen pny brand uh, you know not to slam the brand but they were junk they I ended up throwing every single one of them away they just they just didn't last very long for me but uh yeah sd cards make a big difference and if you can get a class 10 with it where the write speeds a little quicker you're gonna get better videos less choppy you're gonna get less pixelated pictures was that your whole question you got uh one more question uh what kind of clover are you running Clover. <laughs> I got I got some biologic uh non-typical clover. Good answer. Uh, boom. Man, oh, it's, my, it's booming. It's my, gorgeous. My, my clover. My clover's looking looking phenomenal. And what's so nice about that is we we killed turkeys in it this spring. Yep. And I have no doubt we're gonna kill some deer in it here this fall. It, it's just been it's been awesome. And I'm fortunate enough. We have great soil up on top of the hill where I'm putting plots in. It's 6.8, 6.97 pH right off nice. the bat. So it's it's been phenomenal. Uh, and I I don't know if you guys. I've sent some pictures to Bobby. Uh, the the clovers popping right now. I've got the brassicas and the cereal grains and the and the peas are going crazy. It, it looks like a magazine cover up on the hill there. Well, the one thing that you've done that impressed me, uh, well, there's, you've done several things, but, but the way you had those, uh, the spring protein peas planted, it's taken the pressure off of your fall crops if they've, as yes. they have been establishing uh, so that it, 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 it will let them establish better. I think that was brilliant. Well, and that was kind of by accident, to be honest. I, I reached out to Austin Delano to ask him what, they, what those spring peas would do this time of year because I had trouble with them. I couldn't get them to take in the spring because the dang turkeys were picking them off as soon as they, I, I couldn't keep the turkeys out of them. We can, hey, we can help <laughs> you with that problem. Yeah, what them and things right on I got a gang now. here that can help you yeah. with that problem. Yeah. Eric, I'll talk to you later. About yeah, here we go. <laughs> Nobody's going to get Eric's number but Bobby. <laughs> I told my brother-in-law, I said, gosh, I'm, I'm half afraid we're going to get, we're going to get accused of baiting up here. I said, I'm up here trying to plant peas and then we're trying to hunt it in the next week or so. And the, and the turkeys are just coming in there and scratching the peas, eating the seeds and eating the sprouts as quick as I could get them in the ground. <laughs> so later in the summer, once things grew up a little bit, I reached out to Austin and I said, Hey, what would these do if I planted them in late July? And, and he said, Hey, throw them in. He said, if you can get them in 45 days before a frost yep. and, and, and they've worked out perfectly, the deer are just, murdering the, the protein peas right now and, and what's good is like bobby said they've left the cereal grains and my brassicas alone so now oh. they're starting to get some good good growth on them no oh, that's that's, that's right. a great idea because i have a terrible problem with that mm-hmm. in certain places and you know if you can just get six eight inches of growth with those radishes and brassicas you're off and running even if they mm-hmm. start hitting them hard you just have so much more but when they just you know, as soon as they pop out of the ground, they start wearing them out. You just never get anything. Yeah, not only sure. is it not good hunting, but you never get the deer. Never get much out of it. So sure, it's a great idea. Yeah, well, his worked perfect this year. So, well, look, I think we, Richie. I don't know how all this works, but do you have Ben Mackey on the where we can zoom in on him? Erica, don't go anywhere now. Stay zoom right there. Zoom in on him. <laughs> He's got it, doesn't he? I've done enough zooms with Ben in the last year. <laughs> we can just listen to him. <laughs> I don't. I'm not seeing him. I know it should be. Can you hear us, Ben? Because you should be able to see. I can us see here. you guys, Ben. Can, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ben, up, okay. All right. Well, ben, hey, ben, look here. Let's do an introduction, Mac. We have got. This is Ben Mac, and, and Ben, you have been with Mossy. Uh, the horns again. Yeah. Ben, you've been with Mossy Oak a long time. 
vice president of marketing and just you you've, boy you, you've done so much so many cool things with some of the many projects that you've worked on and we've just it's been so much fun but all that said what you may be the best out of anybody i've been around is targeting big deer and getting those deer on the ground really quick as evidenced by what you did just a weekend ago with uh, with your young son so what we wanted to do is ask you some questions about how you do it, and we're hoping that you'll be honest with us. What you're really doing here is because I asked Bobby to put you on the spot in front of you know 25,000 people out there, and so you couldn't hide from it anymore. Because honestly, you know, I, I, I've never heard what his tips are. Oh, never, is that right? Oh, he's oh, he felt like in the... Yeah, covert, I mean, covert as they get. Yeah, he's pretty slick. Look, pretty that. slick. <laughs> and King Kong's pretty fuzzy. Yeah, concealment. Yeah. That's right. We're, we're in the business of hiding. Yes. About. Yeah, that's right. But seriously, though, uh, to all our listeners, uh, every year he seems to get a really good deer right oh, off the bat. Every single If not year. a second. And so I want to hear... Hear what you're doing. Yeah, when and plus when, the, when you first keyed in on this, about ten or fifteen years ago, he was, you know, he was seeing deer at the food source and then tracking them with cameras right, back to where he's bedding because he also knows how hard it is to kill one right over the food source, except the first weekend maybe. So anyway, just amazing how he's been able to do that. Tell yeah, us. so we're taking notes. We're ready to go here, Ben. So, well, the biggest secret is to live where big deer are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good point. <laughs> The gamekeeper Once crazy. Yeah. If he ain't there, you can't kill him. Zip code yeah. is everything. That's right. And and to say I had some, you know, aha moment would be a lie. It's just a distillation of screwing up stuff for more than a decade and just seeing what happens. But mostly, you know, I like low pressure and lots of food. Big mystery, right? Everybody knows that. Keep pressure off them and keep them fed. So the way I use my trail cameras is, you know, rather than getting out in fields with binoculars or driving around looking at deer, I use my trail cameras to observe them from June on. And it just, you know, whether, whether I'm on a food plot, whether I'm on just a bean field, a row crop destination, wherever it is, one of the things I think that helped me really kind of understand them a little better was a simple uh button on the on almost all trail cameras that very few people use a time lapse you know most people are using the the sensor when something walks by trips the camera and you get a picture of it very few people use the time lapse button to take a picture every 30 seconds if you take a one acre food plot and put four cameras on it and take a picture from 7 p.m to 10 p.m whenever it gets dark for y'all every minute you can just start to see them, where they come out, what they're doing, where they're, where they're, you know, what parts of the field they're using. Simple stuff that, you know, I've talked with Bobby and Austin about the, the how even in just a one-acre field, the soil chemistry could be different in one area. And for some reason, that area is the most attractive to them in a certain period of time. You can see that. You can see deer kind of consolidate in different places and move off. And observation without any, you know, intrusion is probably the was probably the, the biggest trigger for me. So once I figure out what they're doing, and if I find one that's big that I want to mess with, you can watch them. And here in Kentucky, we're, we're blessed with an early opener, you know, so the deer are still on a very predictable food pattern. Usually the first couple of weeks of the season, they're still in velvet. 
doing the same thing they always do. Once they shake off that velvet, they start to get a little unpredictable, but still pretty good through the month of September. And all I ever do is hit them with the time lapse and then start backing up on a buck that I am interested in seeing, you know, and get as close to get as close to his bedroom as I can without risking bumping him and find an easy way in. And that's, that's pretty much it. I'd love to say that there were, there were some, you know, wizardry behind it, but it's just low pressure observation. Well, well no doubt he looked putting multiple cameras on a food plot, you know, and setting time lapse. That's pretty smart. I'm just Yeah, saying. that way you <laughs> you know, if, if you were just using it with regular mode, you'd have to move that thing around right. and go in and check you, it. You never see it. I've done it before. I've put you know, you can put corn on the ground here in Kentucky if you want to. I can put a camera on the sensor mode with fifty pounds of corn in front of it and put four cameras on time lapse and you'd be shocked at how much that camera misses no matter how high quality camera you have mm-hmm. there's so much interaction so much movement that you miss and then obviously you got to burn up a lot of cameras and a lot of cards to do it but uh it's like i said it, it, the more you can observe the more intel you have the better you can make your decisions you know where they're coming into the field when they're coming to the field and i'm a nerd man i love data i love information i love having a plan for everything so i'll cross-reference weather conditions and wind conditions and look at movement behavior at different periods of time like i said because we open early here you can you can kind of count on them being there you know a lot of people that have hunted with me here before i'll say you know about 7 45 8 o'clock the deer is going to show up and like dude he showed up at 7 46 they're pretty predictable Ben, do you find there's some bucks that just don't won't show up to if you pour corn out on the ground like that or, or what? They're just not going to show themselves? There's one on the farm right now that that he does like the first couple times you do it, but as soon as a big group of deer get on it, he's gone. And you'll pick him up on a time-lapse camera out in the middle of a bean field. I'll pick him up on some of the sets back in the woods where I'm, you know, following a pinch point how they access a food plot, but he just doesn't like the crowds. I think – I think deer, big bucks especially, are like people. They're personalities. I've got deer that range all over the farm. I got other deer that live in a real tight little pocket. Some deer that like a crowd, others that don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you miss a you miss a lot, especially with big bucks. If you're if you're just you know putting a feeder out there or putting a single camera on one place you miss a lot of what's going on you know the interesting thing is when, when he's narrow narrowing it in i see toxic's looking at the weather ben he's trying to see if it's gonna rain i'm gonna be in trouble here for it's over with yeah bobby might not be the host anymore <laughs> so uh i'm just pouting <laughs> let me just let me have my moment <laughs> yeah so uh you're finding you're trying to hone in on the trail that buck's using and the question that I wanted to ask you, do you find – so it, once you kind of get in that area and you find a deer trail, I mean a well-worn deer trail, do you find that those big bucks are walking those big trails or are they walking off to the side on their own? Usually I don't do – I usually don't hunt the exact trail itself because a lot of times they'll skirt that, especially if there's a bunch of deer coming through the area. But one of the other real benefits of this part of the country is – I've got a lot of topography, um, a lot of limestone rock walls and stuff. And so with my farm, the food sits high and the bedding is down low. So they're coming up through uh, different areas 
through the woods and almost always there's a limestone wall or cliff face. It may be only 10, 15 feet, but there'll be a little cut and or a little ramp that leads up. And that's, those are the places that I like to really hunt. A singular trail often, you know, it's a roll of the dice. You might get him, but if you find the place where he's moving through those significant obstacles to get to the food, you can get him. I mean, there's no question. Everybody knows the story about pinch points, but topography is a is a huge benefit to this part of the country. Yeah. Hey, well, hey down there, I've hunted hey. in Mississippi. I've hunted with Mississippi with with Lanny. I've never been that lost in my life. I mean, I, I you know, it's all so the same. Flat. He's he stayed same. lost. I'm, I mean. I was lost this last year's Easter egg out, and I, and I could hear town. I could hear the cars going. I still couldn't find my way out. There. <laughs> yeah, he brought up a great point, um, and he didn't he didn't call it out, but uh, it's what he did, kind of philosophically. And I I've coined that phrase for managing a team of two hundred people too. One of the chief things that over time, you know, when you get over sixty, you got all your bruises from life. You learn to get out of your own way. And so then I, you know, one of my big things is helping others learn to get out of their own way. And sometimes you got to just kind of do things and paint analogies to help people do it because most people don't like being told that. But Ben is not letting his exuberance for these big deer take him over where he's going in there too much and he's, you know, making too much racket or leaving too much scent. He's learning to stay out of his own way. And I just see so many people get so excited about the deer they lose sight of that mm-hmm. yeah right That's and a good it, point. It, you know i'd love to say that that was a natural character trait of mine but i only did that by blowing it you know by running yes down, absolutely realizing that you're not killing doing that so um minimizing that you footprint, know, yep. minimizing your footprint is a lesson learned by screwing it up but it certainly makes a huge difference and you know, really what we're talking about, especially in the early bow season, it's 10 minutes. You know, if you push him just a little bit too much because you love looking at your cards or you love right, running around, exactly. you know, checking the cameras and seeing the latest pictures and you bump him just a little bit, he adjusts his pattern by 10 minutes and you're out of luck. You can't see your pins on your bow anymore. You know, he might be right there, but he's not, you can't kill him. So the only way you can get him to move in the daylight at least I think is is where they're just happy and comfortable. And uh, another thing that that uh, I got from talking with Bobby and Austin Delan, actually Mark Drury too, was you know those those food plots that I'm using uh, to kind of inventory early season inventory of the deer. I usually plant twenty to forty rows of corn around the outside of them to give it a little bit of security cover. Um, you know where we are here with some of the bigger ag fields where your food plots are along the edges or in the corners, sometimes just 20 rows of corn that you plant, you don't intend to harvest at all. It makes a great little pocket and they'll come out there 15, 20, 30 minutes earlier. So in the um, edge. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a matter of minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Deadly, I see you've got a furred brow. Do you have another question? Well, uh, I'm not the most computer savvy person on the planet. You're pretty good uh, at social media. And, and most people around here know that. Uh, 
What is a good system for storing photos? Uh, is there some kind of software or app that a lot of people use that, that makes it convenient to go back and, uh, you know, look at their data and things like that? I've tried them. Um, I just have too many cameras and too many pictures for me to keep track of them all, uh, you know, and that's, that's my own fault. The, the systems and the apps that are out there are great. There's, there's a few that are you know they can they can narrow it down to tell you exactly what the wind direction, the temperature, the moon, and everything based on the pictures you put in. And I, I should give them more more of a chance. I just haven't been organized enough to get thousands of pictures a week all all set into those pictures into those apps just yet. Okay, so I think a lot of us are on the same page. I need I know I need to get a little more organized on that front. So. Good luck well, with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look. Well, when so you look, do, guys. What, uh, what what have we learned today? Is is there anything, Lanny? Does anything jump out at you? I, I mean, just the you know, it's it's really a gamekeeper's tool, is what it is. You know, it's uh, it's definitely for hunting, but it's also for looking at your property. It's for securing your property. It's for just keeping an eye on what's going on out there, and you know, the technology that's available to you now. You know, uh, start with one, and then add some more. I guarantee you, you start. Start with one, and, and you're going to get another one. Mm. Soon. Yeah, you know, I tell you one thing that I've done with this little place that I've got is the uh, Ponderosa. The, the Ponderosa, yeah. And so uh, I gave my wife a camera. Oh, and she's enjoying putting it out where she wants to put it. Yeah. Now, there do places, you always know where she puts it? Well, uh, so <laughs> I, I've, t- I've I've given her barriers, you know, where yeah. you can't go put it on here. <laughs> but but she's doing the creek crossing thing, yeah, and trying to get a bobcat on. Get, but she, it's really kind of she's enjoying that. So. No doubt about yeah. it. I mean, because there is, I mean, it's wildlife photography. It's just like open. It absolutely is. And first, uh, our first guest brought that to light mm-hmm. with the quality of today's cameras. It's so much more than just, you know, patterning a big deer. I, I, for me, obviously, I've got a lot of stuff going on. It helps me so much to go back. It takes a long time. But go through an entire, like, say, late summer through early spring set of photos. That's why you need good batteries and a good card, too. But it has taught me so much about mm-hmm. what's going on. Uh, do you have any idea how many cameras you're running? No, I do not. Yeah, because I, I bet it's a bunch. It's a pretty good many, but I'm telling you, we've lost our attrition rate in graveyard. <laughs> our camera graveyard, I bet you, beats his. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty tough. Uh, so, I mean, you know. And then we're and, hunting floodplains. We're some floodplains. Yeah, Blame some of it on that, but some of them just they hadn't held up. Yeah. Like yeah. others. So, yeah, but a fair amount, but, you know. So, let me ask one question. Sleep. I'm going to ask it to everybody. Eric, Ben, both of y'all, please. So, have, has anybody, like, used a... Caught a poacher with the camera. Toxie, you obviously have. Oh, but, yes. but have you done something like put oh. a camera where they would obviously see it, but then to put another camera up high in a tree down on it to yep. to try to the old we, dummy camera? We yeah. caught we caught the thief. Someone mm-hmm. stole a four wheeler from us. Sure did. And the game wardens and the sheriff and police and all um, found it, and we barred, we gave them the cameras, let them do it. Yeah, we and put a couple of cameras in, two, put two in trees and one they could see real clearly so that, you know, and it caught. Worked like a champ. We had to climb a pine tree, but hey. Did you have to climb a pine tree? Lanny climbed the pine tree and put <laughs> it in the was there with him. What about you, Eric? Have you had any experience like that? With with trespassers and poachers, uh, I've never caught a poacher that way. Um, I, I've got plenty of trespassers. Uh, probably one of my most interesting was a few years ago. I had a guy growing marijuana, 
and I caught him going in and out of the woods several times, and then I caught the game warden, and, and then the police going in and out. You of had the a woods, party in there, keeping an eye on him. So it was uh, it was interesting. They they caught him, they caught him, and they got it out of there. I was a little concerned there that they thought it was mine because I was I was in and out of the woods every two weeks. So you're saying they didn't they didn't find yours in good? <laughs> yeah, 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 they didn't find no, your they patch. It was concealed well enough, but I ended up knowing the uh, the game warden that was leading that investigation. And, and I, when I showed him the pics of, of him, you know, going in and out of the woods, he said, Where, what, what, what are you thinking? He said, hey, you're lucky they didn't arrest you for that. But I said, I, I, I had no idea anybody yep. was in there. I just happened to catch you guys on camera. I'm just so a I deer hunter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll, every year, uh, the, the ones in late summer, I'll catch people just walking through a place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Just walking. We've caught um, the the. I hate to call them out. They were when they once we said something, they stopped it. But the the cross country team from West Alabama was taken right through the middle of the place during hunting season. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Oh my goodness. Jogging shorts, t-shirts, and just jogging right through the middle of the property. They didn't know it was turkey season. <laughs> <laughs> now that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, I, I, I mean, they just it. thought it was a great. They saw a trail and a yeah. road and took off. No harm. Right. And, you know, no big deal. And I'll say that when, when the coach found out, he was like, we apologize. It won't happen again. And Whoops. No big deal. And I think, too, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know Mississippi law well enough in various different states, but I think with the timestamp on the camera with live camera, that's admissible it as is. far as prosecution for a trespassing mm-hmm. violation. Yeah, you know a lot about the law, Lanny. I know a lot about trespassing. Yeah. So, hey, Ben, up there where you are, what about the like the ginseng hunters? Are they, are they on your place? Not on me. That's a little bit east of here. But we have caught we caught a poacher uh, using a, a double camera set because one of the cameras, all the other cameras on this property were burning up with deer, and one had zero pictures every night. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. We put another camera 10 foot up in a tree, pointed down on video, and caught the guy opening the camera and formatting the SD card and walking back out. Of it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's uh, pretty slick. <laughs> yeah, he wrote out the card. Right. He had no idea he was there. So wow. We caught him, and the, the game warden caught him. That's incredible. And I've had, we've had people, to, uh, actually, Neil, go check cameras in. The door to the cameras open. The chips been taken and gone. You know, yeah. they just took the chips. So they were just they weren't stealing your camera, but they got caught poaching and knew it, and so they just took the chip to be yeah. sure you couldn't identify them. That that's happened some too. So yeah, I'd like to think that you know cameras being everywhere these days certainly has to deter some of that activity yeah. now. I mean, I don't. No, I've, you're being watched. Yeah, I've yeah. used a camera to yeah. catch yeah. somebody I didn't know was hunting our land as well. Surprised. Well, look, I've enjoyed this. This has been Great good. We've, I think we've learned a lot. Yeah. I learned I need to check out the batteries at Dollar General. I'm telling you. Yeah. And I did not know you did a science project with Hayden on well, batteries. No, it was Hayden. I just assisted. Yeah. I can bring you the raw data if you'd like I'm to I'm going to get it. you a hat that says Rayovac. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my brand after the study. Yeah. So, hey, I would encourage people to go follow at Trail Camologist on Instagram. It's well worth the follow. Absolutely. And, and it's ben, Trail Camology. Well, I, I don't know. Trail Camology, is that it? Yes. Am I, it so right, I'm saying Bobby. it wrong? Yes. Yes. Eric, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll find it either way. You type it in there, it'll, it'll come up. 
Okay. Look, I'm I'm impressed with the, your, your food plots have been fantastic. Your studio set up there is very killer, impressive. bro. Killer. Yeah. So uh, look, I was gonna pick on you for being a Yankee, but I don't. I'm just not gonna do that anymore. I'm, yeah. Every time you said crick, he cringed is, over there. That is so disrespectful, Bobby. Yeah. Well, I'm not doing it. But but the, he, Lanny's right. The, we don't know what a crick is down here. So. Ah, gotcha. I do. I do. I've got one in my neck from riding that tractor. <laughs> well, look, hey, Ben, we appreciate you being on. Yeah, thank you, guys. We didn't get him to fess up to all his secrets, but that helps a little bit. Was there anything else, Ben? I think you need to uh, – the, the deer that you're uh, that Hawkins killed, uh, I guess it's a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, that was an incredible deer. That was a heck of a deer. Full deer, wasn't it? It had four drop tines, which was the first for me ever. Uh, certainly the first for the farm, but really cool deer. But he was, I, I moved the camera to, to get that deer into bow range for him. I moved the camera probably 15 times trying to figure that deer out. And he switched his pattern two days before I moved the tree stand and he killed him that night. So, wow. Uh, how does a young a man tricky? But we got him. How does, how does a young man, 16, 17 years old, how does he hold it together with a deer that big out there? That's impressive. I, you know, it's funny. I, I That was his first bow kill. You know, he, he shot a, a truck full of deer with a rifle and a muzzleloader, but he never never killed one with a bow. And uh, there were four or five other, other bucks that came by that night that were really decent deer. I thought for sure he'd ventilate one of them just because he couldn't wait. But he held off. And I actually pulled the card on that camera the next day. The deer was under for two and a half minutes before he shot. Oh, and good grief. I couldn't hell to get out of that. I'll know. I was like, I'll know if you take a quarter and two shot and I'm going to bust you for it. So <laughs> he waited. Wow. Yeah, he, he held it together pretty well. I was impressed. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, genetics. Well, well, please yeah, tell real. him we said we said congratulations. That that's incredible. I do. Oh, I will. I'm not sure his head could fit through the door to talk to you about. It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Well, look, we appreciate you being on here, Ben and uh, and Eric. Thank you for being on here. And we're going. If you guys want to hang on, you're more than welcome to. But I think we've got a, an Ask Dudley question. You guys are welcome to stay on and listen. But sometimes Dudley's. We're bad about putting people to sleep. Here. Oh, here we go. Uh, he, he never likes the tree stuff. What's his problem? Well, let's go. Come on. <laughs> hey, Dudley. My name is Callie Grubbs, and I live in southeast Missouri. I wanted to start experimenting with tree graphing to add to my arsenal as a gamekeeper. I was wondering if I could graph an apple and a pear scion to a persimmon rootstock. I was hoping that using the persimmon rootstock would help me give the best of both worlds since I've never found a rub on a persimmon tree, which my property is loaded with. Also, what would be the best month to do this? Thanks for your input. Okay, good question, Callie. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you down a little bit. You cannot graft anything but a persimmon onto a persimmon. So it's kind of like... you know, blood types, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, with, with plants. It usually needs to be uh, where they're closely related. So um, you could graft a pear onto another type of pear, you know, that's in the uh, You can graft an apple onto an apple. Um, but you have to have a persimmon to graft onto a persimmon. Um, and there's some things where you can break the rules, like you can graft a pear onto a quince. Uh, sometimes you can graft like a cherry onto a plum, but again, they're very closely related. Um, 
I've actually grafted a chestnut onto a red oak before. Um, they're in the same family, but not the same genus. So it's it's kind of like the English language. You just kind of have to learn, and uh, you know, there's some rules are broken, but but generally they have to be very closely related. Um, now, as far as gathering wood and when to graft and everything, you want to gather your your scions or your you know your little cuttings in the dead of winter when they're still dormant and then you you know you put them in a ziploc freezer bag store them in the crisper box of your fridge and then you don't want to go in and do your grafting until usually mid to late that next spring so you store them dormant and then you go in in the spring i usually carry a couple with me during turkey season and do a few grafts while i'm out in the field uh, so that's after everything's leafed out. But that's how that works, Callie. Sorry to let you down on that one, but uh, it's got to be closely related. So you just need to plant some persimmons in strategic locations or apples or pears and then go back and graft onto them later with the same genus. Thank you, Mr. Know-it-all. That was awesome. Now, Bobby, you can't say you didn't just learn something. No, that was incredible. I didn't even know what a sign was. I was hoping he'd tell everybody what a sign was. Yeah, a sign is uh, the fancy word for taking a cutting Mm -hmm. that you're going to, that's going to be your new tree. You know, there's a YouTube video, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, Dudley's graphic That people need to go and watch. And what's the name of that one? Dudley? Does anybody know? I think it's just Grafton Tree. It's under Mossy Oak Native Nurseries yeah. on our YouTube but it's, page. It's got Dudley talking about grafting. Yeah, it it's got a bunch you, of views. Yeah, A to Z had a graft. Yeah, it's really, really good. So, so look, Callie left us a, a review. So why don't we do that? Let's send let's send uh, Callie one of these Bertucci watches. I think that'd be a great that. idea. Callie, we appreciate wow. it. Yeah. And if you Google how to graft a tree, he's the first video. Step-by-step guide to grafting fruit trees with uh, Dudley and Mossy Oak. Yeah, I highly encourage people to watch that. And if you get, if you, it, if tonight, if you can't go to sleep, you can put that thing on and let it play. And Nobody's just into food. And, it'll, and it'll make you want to graft <laughs> and watch more videos. Yeah, there you right. go. Well, guys, this has been fun. That it really has. Mac, have we got anything we need to close out with? Richie, good luck at the football game this Friday That's night. That's right. Landing with your betting. I hope you have some success. <laughs> yeah. with all you got. Toxie, the rain, it looks like it's held off. No, I'm, I'm out of here. He's well, gone. He's fixing to roll. We appreciate you being here. Everybody, uh, uh, we, we thank you all for listening, and we'll be back here next week. Say goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.